0: Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash reviveoutreachchurch. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. James
1: chapter 4. Uh, This morning, we're going to be starting with verse one. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. That you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You may be seated. James, uh, he has given us lots and lots and lots and lots to digest here in these first three chapters that we've looked at we've looked at we need to be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word only Uh, that when we hear God's word and we are challenged by God's word we must respond um, to his word we've seen that uh, we are uh, to uh, our faith should uh, be demonstrated by our works that our true saving faith will result in us serving the poor and taking care of the orphan and taking care of the widow and our love for each other, regardless of, of our skin color, regardless of our social status, regardless of our economic status, whatever the case may be, we will love each other and serve one another and serve people because of our saving faith. He's challenged us to tell us that we must resist those uh, who are prideful, that we are not to uh, hold others and esteem uh, that, that, that those who, uh, the religious among us, those uh, who uh, do not, uh, that are wealthy, that we're not to promote them above others who are poor. He's challenged us to make sure that that those who are considered poor are treated with the same respect and the same love that we would treat anybody else. And this week he's going to challenge us uh, as it results to unity within our church, but not just within the church, within our homes, within our relationships, our families, within our communities, and within our world. James is going to tell us, starting here in verse 1, why we have conflict in the world. Why conflict exists in the world. He tells us that where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? That word desire is where we get the English word. The Greek word translated desire there is where we get the English word hedonism. Fleshly, earthly, a desire for everything for my pleasure and my pleasure alone. Everything that makes me feel good, everything that's about me, everything that meets my needs, everything is about me, that's what it's talking about. So, what causes war? My selfishness. Right. My self centeredness is what causes strife and discord in our world, in our churches, in our homes, and in our families. My desire to get what I want, when I want it, right when I want it, is what causes disunity and discord among us. Mm-hmm. Look, our world is a perfect example uh, that uh, people are acting selfishly and self-centeredly and irresponsibly and it results in all kinds of hurt and pain and injustice. But the, 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 the poor starve. The hungry starve, the poor are left naked. The orphan is not taken care of. People are treated unjustly. Why? Because we're selfish and we're self-centered. That's where all of discord and disunity starts is in selfishness, a desire to please ourselves above everything else. He says, you lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You lust and you do not have. You ever wanted something so very badly and it was just out of reach? Mm -hmm. Have you ever coveted something so badly that somebody else had that when you saw them, it made you jealous? Mm -hmm. Oh, come on. Let's be honest this morning. We've all been guilty of that. You've all had something in your life. I know I have that I've wanted really, really, really bad, that I've lusted for, that I've coveted and wasn't able to get, and I got sulky, Mm -hmm. and I got mad, and I got upset, and I pouted, and I became resentful, right? Why? Because I didn't get my desires met, my needs met, what I consider to be my needs met, I should say. My wants met. God makes sure he promises to take care of our needs. Mm -hmm. He does not promise to take care of our wants. And our problem is, is that we want and want and want and want and want and want and want. Right. And we covet, yet we can't get it. He even says we murder. Now, what did Jesus say about murder? Did he say murder was just killing somebody? He said murder is hating someone in your heart. So not only is the James here talking about the actual act of murder, we've seen that in our society, people killing people for horrible reasons to get some sort of influence or gain something that they wanted or desired, but also uh, to make it more personal to you and I, have you ever hated someone because of their success? Because ever uh, hated or felt hate in your heart because somebody else... Seem to be so successful, and you didn't, or I didn't. Right, you ever look at the athlete who makes millions and millions of dollars a year, and despise them secretly in your heart because you didn't get that talent, that gift, that ability? You ever look and see the millionaire, the billionaire, and be jealous of where they're at, and the money that they have, and their private jets and everything, and then your heart had resentment and bitterness, And hatred, if you would admit to it, that's murder. And that comes from desiring only the things that benefit us, fulfilling our own pleasures. You fight and war. He says, as a result of this desire, you covet, you can't have. You lust, you cannot have. You murder, you cannot have. You fight and you war. We argue and we bicker. We, come, we have verbal wars and it comes to physical violence. We have verbal uh, wars that we attack one another with our words. We attack one another uh, with, with our with our actions. We mistreat them. We mistreat people. All because our own pleasures and desires are not met. Mm-hmm. We need war because we want something that we cannot have. And so we're going to fight to get it or be mean to everybody until we do get it. <laughs> we're going to be angry and angry. we got to take this word and we need to bring it down to our level. We can't just look at it from a global level that it's somebody else's problem. We have to bring it down to our level. Why do you not get along with others? Why is it that I struggle to get along with others? Is it because I only desire my pleasure above everybody else? I remember when my son Curtis, he was a very good child. Elementary school, middle school, and most of high school. He was absolutely perfect. Perfect kid. He really was. He never mouthed off, he never gave us any trouble. He was great. In 11th grade, he got a girlfriend. Mm. And all of that changed. He broke, would break his curfew and I'd have to take everything away. Take his phone away, take his car away. And he always had an excuse. And he always was wanting to meet his own needs, right? Dad, I deserve to be able to stay out late. My friends all stay out to two o'clock in the morning. Dad, you know, uh, I, I deserve this, and I deserve that, and I deserve all of these things. I work hard, and I do good in school. And it caused war in our household. Because he constantly was fighting with me and his mother. Why? He was rebelling against us because he wasn't getting what he wanted. And it was... Honestly, when the kid went away to college, I was like, thank goodness. Like, I had his tour up inside, right? I mean, I didn't want him to be with it, you know, for his whole life, 18 years, 19 years. But when he finally went away to college, I had both a sense of I'm going to miss him and a sense of, oh, get him out of my house. Right? Because it was constant war and strife. In our home, because why? He, as, as a young adult, wanted everything that he could get. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation with him last night. He's now 20. He's about to be 26 in October. He's got a wife and a kid of his own. And he, he called. We were talking last night. He said, Dad, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you and Mom. I didn't appreciate you when I was younger. Now I know why you did all the things that you did. But man, it took a long time for him to get there to where he recognized that it was his selfishness and not mom and dad who were just trying to keep him down. You know, we weren't trying to hurt him and deprive him, but that's how he saw it and it caused war and strife. Are there relationships in our lives that are constantly in conflict because of our own selfish desires? And the church is there unity or disunity Is their discord in the church. Because we're so worried about ourselves. I didn't get the phone call when I was out. I didn't get the note when I was out. The pastor didn't shake my hand. And we, because we want our needs met. And we want our needs, uh, you know, our, our need gratified. That we get angry and bitter. Upset with our brothers and sisters of Christ. We have the same thing in our communities. The same thing in our nation where people's needs aren't met, and they war and rebel. And it is why nations are divided. It's why churches are divided. It's why families are divided. Let's take it all the way down to its roots. Selfishness came to blossom somewhere, and it took control. Now, here, here, this is interesting. He said, you do not have because you do not ask have because you do not. He said you don't have what you so desire so so many times what you don't ask because you know you're asking on your terms, not God's terms. Many of us are so unhappy in our lives that we may have legitimate needs, but we're not wanting to operate on God's terms. Mm -hmm. What you and I living in sin and constant rebellion against God. Guess what? That's not God's terms. So we just decide we're not going to ask. We're not going to ask God to meet that need. We're not going to ask God to help us in that situation. We're not going to ask why, because we know that we're not living right before him and therefore there's no point in asking. Am I the only one that's ever had that happen before? But that's what James is talking about here. He's saying all these things. He says we don't have because we don't ask. Why? Because when it comes to something we really need, something that we really need God's help with, we want it on our terms and our terms only, so therefore we don't ask. Mm. When you and I want to petition God for something legitimate, it always has to be on his terms. And God knows when we're paying Him lip service. Mm-hmm. Really? He knows our heart. He knows our desires. He knows all of it. He knows all of those things. And He knows that. And if you and I, when we recognize that we are not living in the right relationship with him, when we are living rebelliously, when we are living contrary to his word, we simply do not ask and we become more bitter and more angry and more bitter and angrier and angrier and angrier and angrier. angrier. Where's God? Well, you ran from God. Mm. We allow ourselves, we start getting bitter and angry, and it affects our whole lives. And then James says, and when you do finally ask or when you do ask for something, You don't receive it because you ask amiss. That you may spend it on your own pleasures. So first off, when we don't ask, it's usually because we're not in a right place with God. And we want it on our terms and not his terms. Or if we do ask, we ask it out of selfishness and self-centeredness. And when you and I ask God to win the lottery... And we reason with him and tell them, well, God, I'll give my 10% to the church. You're asking selfishly, right? Look, I may have on occasion played Mega Millions and said, God, if I won the Mega Millions, you know I'd give a lot of money to charity, right? But I'm being selfish and self-centered, right? Right, right? we all have those times. And when we ask, And we ask for something that we know is selfish and self-centered. We don't receive it because we want it just for our own pleasure. God knows what your heart is. And he will give you what you need to minister and serve the purpose that he has for you. But he knows he'll give it to you if he knows that you're going to use it to help others. To accomplish that purpose. I had a pastor years ago that said God would get it to you if he could get it through you. Right, So he'll get you everything that you need to accomplish his purpose and plan if it doesn't stop here. Uh If we're not selfish and self-centered and we allow it to flow out to the world around us, he will make sure we will never run dry. We will always have the resources. We will always have the strength. We will always have the energy. We will always have everything we need to reach his people and to accomplish our purpose As long as we're not acting selfishly, self-centeredly, and keeping it bottled up. Our talents, our gifts, our abilities, our financial resources, all of those things God promises that we'll always have what we need to accomplish his purpose as long as we continue to walk in his purpose and not be selfish and self-centered. He then gets a little, he gets in, he's already getting in your business, right? James is already getting in, in my business And then, with an exclamation point, he calls us adulterers and adulteresses. Anyone who acts like this, and let's face it, we've all acted like this at some point in our lives. Christian, non-Christian. He says, we're adulterers and adulteresses. Now, what does that mean? Well, what we'll learn in the Bible is, is that when you worship idols, idolatry, those who worship idols, are referred to as adulterers and adulteresses. Adulteresses, Why? Because they've traded in God for an idol. They're cheating on God for something else. So they have a relationship with God, but yet they're cheating on God for something else. Right? Something else. My dad used to joke and say, why would he go out for hamburger when he had steak at home? Mm-hmm. Don't we treat God like that? Where, we, where we, we, we abandon God, we, we don't give Him the worship, the honor, the praise, the service that He deserves because we're over here chasing something else that has half the value or can't even compare to who God is. You know what I'm saying? We chase all these worldly and all these earthly things and we want all of these pleasures that, 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 that it's an insult to God. And we're cheating on God. We're cheating on God. We're committing adultery with this other thing that we're chasing. And that's why James says when you covet and when you lust and when you hate and when you murder and you want all these things because of your own pleasure and your own desires, you're an adulterer. And that's you saying that to me. Whenever I put anything in front of God, it makes me an adulterer. I'm cheating on my relationship with him. I've now taken him from number one and I've made him number two in my life. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Here's the bottom line, Christians. We have to draw a line in the sand. We are of the world or in the world, but we're not of the world. We have to decide that we are going to be different. They should recognize us that we're different. People should know that you serve God. And it may make things uncomfortable, it may make us feel uncomfortable, it may make us make our lives uncomfortable in our workplace, in our families, whatever the case may be. But the truth is, they should know that you serve God. I have an older brother, and he is running from God, he's, he's been running for God for years, he's angry and he's bitter. And whenever I try to, I'm around him, uh, and, and the subject of God comes up, or religion, or whatever the case may be, he turns to, I just can't talk to you about that. I can't talk with you about that, right? He, I make him uncomfortable, right? Because I'm a Christian and God is a part of my life and my relationship with him is important to me. And so I give him thanks and we pray and we talk. He's an integral part of our lives, right? It's not just something that happens on Sunday mornings. It's Monday through Saturday as well, right? right? And when you live Monday through Saturday that you belong to God, you cannot be friends with the world. Yeah. You will rub somebody the wrong way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When light shines in the darkness, it makes the cockroaches run. Well, yeah. We're light in a dark world, and we will make people who do not love God or know God, of God, and just aren't serving him, we will make them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Right? And so we cannot be friends with the world. And still serve God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now that's scary. I don't want to be God's enemy. Right? It says if God is for us, who can be against us? I don't want God against me. I want him for me. Yeah. Right? I don't, I don't want to live for this world. I want to live for him. I don't want to live my life against him. I want what he wants for me. That's our desire should be to want what God wants for us. His plan, his purpose, everything that he has for us. In spite of what I want and I desire, in spite of what the world has to offer, I'm supposed to want what God has more. Yes. Even if I don't like, or even if I think the world is getting a better deal than me, which we do sometimes think, right? We see people that don't love God getting blessed. And you say, God, why are they blessed like that? Why do they have all of that? Well, the truth is, we don't know what they're facing in their personal lives. We don't know what their personal lives are like. We don't know what they're going through personally. And if they're miserable and lonely and angry and resentful all the time, you know. But we want, we say, God, why are they blessed like that? And you don't give me that. We want to be a part of the world, share what the world has. But we're not called to be a part of the world. We're different than the world. Or do you think the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy, jealously. Now that, jealously, sorry. The spirit here is referring to the human spirit. The human spirit inside of us is jealous and covets and lusts and desires and everything God is not. That's the human part of us. Okay? But listen, this is the great part. Verse 6. But he gives more grace. That means God gives all the grace that you need. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So how in the world do we get beyond the selfishness? God says he will forgive us if we will humble ourselves. Humbling ourselves means giving up our desires and our pleasures for His. Humbling ourselves recognizes that we are nothing without God and being content with what God has blessed us with and serving others in spite of my own desires and pleasures. If I humble myself, God promises that He will forgive me and show me grace. So if I want God's grace, if I, I need to humble myself and not act with pride. See, everything that we talked about in chapter 4 so far has to do with pride. Yeah. What I want, when I want it, and not a moment later. It has to do with pride. Pride that my desires and what I want is more important than everything else around me. But God, while he resists the proud, he gives grace to the humble. So we want to get beyond the discord, to get beyond the disunity in our homes, in our families, in the church, in our communities, in this world. It starts with every single person acting in humility. Being humble. Considering your brother greater than yourself. Mm-hmm. Serving others. Humbling ourselves and wanting what God has for us more than what the world has to offer. If everybody would humble themselves, our world would be changed. Even if it was just within the church. All of our various denominations and all of our things that we end fight and all the arguments... If we would just humble ourselves and recognize that God is in control and submit to him, there would be unity across the church. Regardless of denomination, regardless of skin color, regardless of social uh, status, regardless if we would humble ourselves from the most uh, rich to the poorest, if we would humble ourselves. Everyone, no matter what your station in life is, can be guilty of pride. Desiring your well-being over the well-being of everybody else. All of us can be guilty of that. And we must do an introspection and check ourselves and say, God, have we allowed our desires and what we want And we put that in front of you. And that's what, if we have, that's where discord and disunity comes from. It's what causes all the infighting. But if we will humble ourselves, he will forgive us and show us mercy. And then all the promises in scripture are
0: available to us to meet our needs according to his riches and glory. All of the scriptures, becomes available to us all of the promises if we will humble ourselves under his hand.
1: Because what God has for you and me is greater than you and I have planned out for ourselves. Amen. Why? Because the only time you'll have a true abundant life and fullness in life is if you're walking in God's purpose and plan. That's when you'll have true Fulfillment in life, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your financial situation, regardless of any of those things. If I walk into God's purpose and plan for my life, I'll have fulfillment. Amen. That's where, and that means humbling myself to His plan, whether I like His plan or not. Right. And that's where it's tough. But thank God there are ministers. Thank God there are missionaries. Thank God there are servants of Christ who humbled themselves and gave up their lives to ensure the gospel of Jesus Christ was spread. The Apostle Paul, the disciples, the missionaries throughout history who left everything behind, who continue to leave everything behind and go to places where they sleep in tents and on the ground and don't have proper nourishment to make sure the gospel is shared shared with everyone. By our view, they're doing without. By their view in God, they have everything they could possibly need. Because they're walking in His purpose. Let us stand.
0: wash you.